She already had cocaine and the prescribed antidepressants in her system before she went out drinking. She met a friend at a local bar close to her home. She seemed content, her friend would recall. She left that bar and drove to another friend's home. She drank more, complained to him of her failing career, told him of her husband's neglect, and sometime before 3 a.m., she went home. Her husband was furious with her intoxicated behavior and an argument ensued waking the children. Calming the nine-year-old son and six-year-old daughter and sending them back to bed, comedian Phil Hartman of Saturday Night Live fame went back to bed himself, not wanting to participate anymore in the argument. He lay on his bed with his ankles crossed and eyes closed, tuning out the world. A short time later, his wife Bryn came in their bedroom and with her own gun, shot her husband in the forehead, the throat, and the chest. It was May 28, 1998, and Phil Hartman was dead. Welcome, my name is Elizabeth Bougeray. And I'm that person when studying the many facets of history likes to peek behind the curtain, investigate hidden passages, drop into the rabbit hole, or dare to walk in the shadows, because we all know that's where the good stories can be found. Take a listen then to discover what dark or peculiar pieces of American history can be found in my bag of bones. Philip Edward Hartman was originally born in Canada, but his family moved to California when he was 10. He was the fourth of eight children, and he was usually quiet and kept to himself. As he got older, he would become the class clown and try on voices such as John Wayne's and others, mimicking and cutting up with his friends. He enjoyed making his friends laugh, but a career in the industry hadn't crossed his mind yet. He went to work with his brother's band as a roadie for a time and then with another brother as a graphic artist for which he went to California State University to study. He created album covers for bands including America, Crosby, Stills & Nash, and his favorite, Poco. His work had kept him pretty isolated and he felt he needed some social interaction. So he went to the Los Angeles Improv Club called The Groundlings, and when they asked for volunteers from the audience, Phil jumped up from his seat and went to the stage. I had to do this, he says, just to get some extrovert into the equation. He was instantly invited to become part of the group. Founding member of The Groundlings, Tracy Newman, has said of Phil, quote, I never saw an audience member come up with that kind of excitement or energy. It was like a hurricane hit that stage, in a good way, end quote. His first movie role was in 1978's Stunt Rock, an Australian film. His first starring role in a movie was 1995's Houseboat, along with Sinbad. And his first television debut was a guest on the popular game show, The Dating Game. Interesting fun fact, he was chosen by The Bachelorette, but she never showed up for their scheduled date. He threw himself into the work of the improv group, learning and refining his comedic skills, and it was there he met other comedians such as John Lovitz and Paul Rubens, better known as Pee Wee Herman. Rubens was on the verge of his Pee Wee persona, and Phil collaborated with him to perfect his character with his scripts for his live show and also created the part of Captain Carl, which became a recurring role and Phil was happy to revive it several times over the years. 
He also helped co-write some of the Pee Wee Herman screenplays, which really helped get his name out to open new doors for his career. His friend John Lovitz saw the mastery and potential in Phil's talent and helped Phil get the audition for Saturday Night Live. They stayed friends, and at Phil's passing, John was honored to be his replacement in the series News Radio for one season before the show was canceled. And it was at John's home on the day of Phil's death that friends gathered to pay homage to their friend, still in shock that he was gone. By the time he was invited to the Saturday Night Live cast in 1986, he already had two failed marriages under his belt, but he soon fell for the swimsuit model, Bryn Amdahl, 10 years his junior, and they got married in 1987. Phil was known to call her his dream girl. You've all survived history class. My history education was all about cramming dates and names and battles into my teenage brain in order to pass the newest test to make the school look good. I didn't really enjoy history until I was able to revisit it and see that history was made up of people, just like me. They had struggles, they had joy, they had sadness, and they felt victories. It became so very real to me. And now, I'm on a mission to revisit as much history as I can. Hello, my name's Elizabeth Bougeret. I'm a full-time author and a full-time traveler, and I would love to share what I'm learning with you. Come with me. See my sights and stories as I go. I love history now. Real history. Not just the dates and battles. And I've discovered that others do too. So, I've created a group in Facebook, and I'd love for you to join me on my travels and adventures. Let me reintroduce you to a history that's made up of people, places, adventures. I'll even throw in a few battles for good measure. If you love American history with a side of travel, I'm sure you'll enjoy this group. Join me over there. Search the Facebook groups for History Revisited, I'm the one with the blue feather, or Type in historyrevisited.info in the search bar and then join in on the adventure. And so I can be sure to welcome you properly, be sure to say hello. Vicki Jo Amdahl in Minnesota in April 1958. She had moved to Los Angeles, as many do, to become an actress. She was hoping that her new husband would put her on the fast track to her own career, but soon resented Phil's success. Her own unfulfilled ambitions were to become a main source of arguments in their marriage. Phil's career and life really took off in the 80s with a vibrant run on Saturday Night Live, his new marriage, movies such as Jumpin' Jack Flash, Three Amigos, and Blind Date, commercial offers, and the birth of his first child, a boy, Sean. He closes out the 80s with a shiny new Emmy for his writing on Saturday Night Live. Considered a success by anyone's standards but his own, Phil worked hard and took every opportunity to entertain. He became well-known for his celebrity impressions of Bill Clinton, 
Frank Sinatra, Ronald Reagan, Ed McMahon, and Barbara Bush. The cast would lovingly refer to him as the glue that held the Saturday Night Live cast and show together. They would say that there wasn't anything you could throw at him that he couldn't pull off. He enjoyed playing the seedy villain roles and called his character repertoire as the Weasel Parade, still being allowed to be the bad guy, but making the audience laugh. His life at home, however, was rocky, and while he loved being a father, a second child, a girl, born in 1992, the marriage was wearing him down. He would choose to steal away on one of his many boats or in his plane as he used nature to center himself. Nature worship is what he called it and said, it's almost a religion to me. By the time the 90s were underway, there wasn't too many places you didn't see or rather hear Phil Hartman. He was everywhere. He was being paid a small fortune to promote everything from cheeseburgers to Cheetos. He was a popular guest on the late night talk shows. He liked being the side characters in his movie choices. He joked saying, that way if the movie fails, I'm not the one they blame. Director Joe Dante has said, He was one of those guys who was a dream to work with. I don't know anybody who didn't like him. His voice is heard on video games, commercials, and cartoons such as The Smurfs, Dennis the Menace, Disney's DuckTales, and even Scooby-Doo. But his voice is probably most recognized as the frequent guest on the animated series The Simpsons. While his most popular roles were those of Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz, he actually voiced 19 characters over 9 series and appeared in 53 episodes. In his honor, the characters that he immortalized were never to appear in another episode again following his death. The cracks in his marriage started to show as she became more resentful of his success. He confides to a friend that he has succumbed to pretending that he's asleep to avoid the endless fights with his wife. He did his best to promote his wife's career by taking her with him to his interviews and talking her up to the casting directors of shows. When he left Saturday Night Live in 1994, planning on doing his own sketch comedy, he would be the executive producer and head writer. He encouraged the writers to give her a part, but they weren't convinced of Bryn's comedy skills. And honestly, it was Phil Hartman the world wanted. Since the variety show didn't happen, talks were in the works for another sitcom for Phil, and again, he encouraged the writers to include a role for his wife. When that opportunity fell through, Phil, not unhappy about the turn of events, not looking forward to the demanding role of producer, decided he just wanted to be an actor and took the role in a news series, News Radio, in 1995. News Radio continued precariously along for four seasons, never really knowing if it was going to be picked up again the next year. It was, indeed, grabbed for a fifth season but Hartman died before the production began. Enter John Lovitz attempting to take the helm. Hartman was posthumously nominated for the Emmy in 1998. The arguments continued, and despite going in and out of rehab, so did the chemical abuse. One of the arguments following an angry outburst at their daughter while Bryn was drunk, Phil threatened to end the marriage, not wanting drug abuse in the house with their children. She enrolled once again in a rehab center, but left the program early. Bryn Hartman had low self-esteem. 
She was convinced that her husband was cheating on her and hired a private investigator to follow him over two years, convinced that there had to be a someone. She ended up with stacks of photos of her husband enjoying life on his boat and visiting his beloved Emerald Bay. After her death, several threatening letters were found in her possession that she had intended on sending to his former castmates and to his ex-wife. They both fiercely loved their children and adored the role of parenting, and so they tried to keep their marriage together. However, it was in far more trouble than the couple let on. Phil had a habit of hiding behind his humor, so many were shocked to hear of the discontent underneath. Her anger and their arguments became physical with her throwing things and slapping him. He was known to have to remove the children to the safety of friends and family to protect them from her outbursts. When she turned 40, her son's doctor prescribed Zoloft to her to help her with her bouts of depression. And that only helped her fits of rage to escalate when she mixed the drug with alcohol and her drug of choice, cocaine. On the night of the murder, Bryn fled the scene with her two small children one floor above and drove to her friend Ron Douglas's home. I killed Phil and I don't know why, she told her friend. He didn't believe her knowing that she'd been drinking, so he took the gun from her and followed her back to the home in Encino, California. Once he saw the body of deceased Phil Hartman, he immediately called 911. While Ron is on the phone with the police, Bryn locked herself in the bedroom with Phil's body. She is making calls of her own. Ron can hear her screaming into the phone, confessing the shooting in the other room. She makes one final call to her sister and sobbed hysterically into the phone. Quote, Tell my kids I love them more than anything, and I always loved them. And mommy doesn't know what happened. She's just very sorry. End quote. At around 6.30 a.m., as the police have escorted Sean and the friend Ron from the home, they return inside to find daughter, six-year-old Bergen, hiding in the corner of a bedroom under a blanket. They take her outside to safety and hear a single gunshot from the inside of the home. They force through the door of the bedroom and see Phil's body and beside him his wife bleeding from a single gunshot to the head. Bryn Hartman was dead from suicide. The children were sent to Bryn's sister and her husband in Wisconsin, where they grew up. Phil was honored by Saturday Night Live with a special tribute to his eight seasons on the show. The Simpsons retired the characters Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz. Canada honored him with a star on their Walk of Fame in 2012, and Hollywood followed suit honoring him with their star on August 26, 2014. The Canadian Comedy Awards created an award in his honor and bestowed it to, quote, an individual who helps better the Canadian comedy community. Television critic Ken Tucker compliments Hartman's style by saying, quote, he could momentarily fool audiences into thinking he was the straight man, but then he'd cock an eyebrow and give his voice an ironic lilt that delivered a punch like a fast slider. You barely saw it coming until you started laughing. Don Olmeyer of NBC spoke at his wake saying, Hartman was blessed with a tremendous gift for creating characters that made people laugh. Everyone who had the pleasure of working with Phil knows that he was a man of tremendous warmth, a true professional, and a loyal friend. The loss of Phil Hartman is still felt on the sets of Saturday Night Live, 
but those who knew him and worked with him have said that their lives were made better by doing so. Bag of Bones is researched and recorded by Elizabeth Bougeret, produced by the Ragtag Network and History Revisited, music by Johnny Reed, copyrights by Elizabeth Bougeret and DCT Enterprises.